Welcome to The Quality Horizon, a podcast produced by the IAQG for the IAQG. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Today, I have with me Alan Daniels, who manages Global Quality Management System Standards for Boeing and is also the IAQG Requirements Lead. Welcome to the show, Alan. Thank you very much. So today, what I'd love to do is really talk about standards themselves. What are they and the process behind it? So let's start with a definition. What is a standard? Well, a standard comes in a lot of different forms, basically. It can be a technical report, something very technical. The uh, the screws, the gap between the screws, it can be everything from uh, your ATM card is based on a standard. That's the reason you can use it across the world. Um, ATM machines, that's another standard that you can use across the world. The initial one, going way back, was film. When we actually, before digitization, you had film that you actually put in your camera. It was ISO film. It was based on a standard. So we had, they had very rated requirements where it was ISO 100, 600, 1000, whatever the case may be. But today we've evolved. There's all kinds of different sectors. Uh, in ISO, um, they have over 19,000 different standards. Of course, we're just focusing on aviation, space, and defense standards. So those, uh, we have 26 today, and they're all based on the quality management system and guidance for the quality management system. So that's, uh, and everything that goes in there is really intended to help organizations improve their quality and build upon a foundation where they can actually uh, move to higher levels of quality and safety of their products and services. Hmm. So you said that we have 26 of them. How does a standard start out? How, do, how does that process all begin? Well, for the Aviation, Space and Defense, for the IAQG, International Aerospace Quality Group, we have a process that we utilize. We actually have a proposal process. Uh, It goes through a vetting uh, uh, process where everybody gets a chance to look at it, see if they have any use for it, if they like it, and it passes a certain level of voting through the various member companies. They have an upvote. We start up a team, and then it's developed from there. And you talked about people and member companies. For those that aren't familiar with the IAQG, what does that mean? Is it global? Is it a key subset of people? Yeah, well, the IAQG has um, three sectors. Mm -hmm. It's the Americas, Asia Pacific, and of course, Europe. And within there, we have voting members. It's trying to be balanced for all the different sectors. They're members from all the top tier uh, aviation, space, and defense companies your Boeings, your uh, Airbuses, your Lockheed Martins, your Mitsubishi, uh, on and on and on. So it's the who's who, the aviation, space and defense industry. And they're the ones who actually manage and and focus the whole scheme for the quality management system standards worldwide. So it really is a coming together of all minds. Yes, very inclusive. You have a a topic or an area that you want to explore. Take us through the process. So do you research it? Is it already researched? Do you test things? Is it days long, weeks long, months long in in rooms where everyone gets together? Well, it usually takes up to about a year just to get the initial thought process down on paper. And we have criteria that we go to. I mean, it can't be contractual in nature. It has to apply to everybody from your five person mom and pop shop to your 200,000 mega company and it can be regulatory in nature, basically generic enough to where all sectors can use it. This is actually a really unique point because 
space has some very unique requirements. So say compared to airframe manufacturers for airplanes themselves or defense for the fighter jets and stuff like that. So you actually have to uh, balance that and make sure that everybody can use it. So that's the, the goal is to make it so all of our aviation space and defense can use something. And it's real tricky balance sometimes. I bet it is. How do you test that? Do you have feedback? Do you have surveys? Do you determine? Yeah, initially we usually do a survey. Mm -hmm. And then of course we have uh, what we call stakeholder input. So we'll go out to our regulatory agencies, our uh, member companies. Actually, sometimes we'll even go into the what we call the OASIS database, which is where all the certifications are held. And we'll ask that entire database what they think. So we actually try to draw in as much uh, information as we possibly can because collectively all those minds are much better than just a, a small group. Seems like it's down to a science. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. It's not rocket science though. So you talked about this sometimes can take a year before you even begin for all the research. So how long does it really take a standard from ideation to publishing? Well, this is actually one thing that we're trying to improve <laughs> because it's, it, it takes too long right now to be totally honest. It can take up probably three years, you know, from the inception of the idea. It depends how mature the idea is and how much information there's out there in the industry. Additive manufacturing, where they actually build parts, you know, utilizing, you know, injection processes. And uh, that was very new, something that uh, was very complex, and we weren't quite ready to go there. Um, there's been others that have struggled. I mean, we've taken uh, two, two and a half years just to get to the point where we were writing a standard. Um, it was very difficult. But uh, some things we know right off the top of our heads, we can actually uh, research and pull in all the information that we can across the world. Uh, get experts associated with it, and then within about a year, we're writing. So to answer your question, usually the, the formulative stage takes up to a year, maybe six months. Writing it itself only takes about a year, and then the publishing piece, the balloting and publishing, can take a year. That's where we want to try to streamline it, and we're actually restructuring the IEQG currently, and that's actually one of the things that we're trying to do is streamline all of that and take that, to really get that it. tack time and, and make it something that's a little bit uh, more efficient. But at the same time, doing that due diligence, it's great because you actually get uh, a better product. So it's kind of a balancing act. You want that better product, and you know, we've seen other standards, it's like, boy, that's not really written very well. You know, in ours, we meticulously go over it and over it and over it and over it. You know, maybe we did too much here. So it's a, it's a balance between the two. So when it's done though, it's not done, is it? No. Once no, a standard we, is published. No, we revise it or have a five-year review. Every five years, we have to look at it to see if it's still relevant, uh, see if people are using it, uh, see if it needs any improvements, see if technology has improved and you need to make some alterations for that. Sometimes we introduce uh, concepts in one revision and then in the next one, we expand upon that concept uh, because you don't want to overwhelm people with something completely new. You know, so once they get used to the idea, then you can expand on it in the next. So that's kind of the strategy we use. And how do you organize all of that? You know, you have 26 standards. Some of them are maybe in process. You might be doing new ones. You may be doing reviews. I know you have a five-year review with a big one right now. How does that all get managed so that you stay on top of everything? Well, we have a committee. That's their entire role. It's a requirements team. It's like actually the full title is requirements strategy stream. 
which I never really understood what that meant. But anyway, <laughs> and that's actually transitioning because now it's going to actually be the IEQG-1 committee. So um, the whole publishing scheme is changing because now we're going to actually be utilizing SAE. We're going to be our own publisher. We're going to be an SDO, which is really cool. So the whole thing is evolving very quickly. But the requirements team manages those 26. We have uh, metrics, we have tracking of when everybody needs to go to their five-year review, how they're doing on their five-year review, how they're doing on their projects, their revisions, and then of course helping them and following them through the balloting process and then ultimately publication. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a, yeah. It's a job, I <laughs> we guess. We have a whole team working on it. They're all volunteers. That's amazing because I've seen your your work and it's quite extensive that what you what you pull out from or what you put out I should say from the team. At the end of the day, why do we really need standards? Well, actually, it goes back, and I'll actually tell you a little story. The inception of the whole scheme of having a quality management system standard was because our suppliers and in the aviation space and defense we all use basically the same suppliers or you know, good portion of them, the, the, the same. So your Airbuses, your Boeings, your Lockheed Martins, we're all asking their suppliers to do something a little bit different. They're flowing down their requirements saying, well, do it this way and do it this way and do it this way. And it was driving the suppliers nuts. And actually it was driving prices up because they had to have 20 different ways of doing the exact same thing. They might have one part, but you have to do paperwork you know, 20 different ways or deliver it 20 different ways or maybe that same part would have multiple part numbers and it just didn't make sense so this was actually a chance to help the suppliers and then therefore the oems help them lower the cost and increase the quality and at the same time so it gives that visibility gives the suppliers something that we can flow down so you have to have a quality management system this is the baseline the foundational quality management requirements that we need as an industry. Now, we could have used just ISO 9001, which is just quality management system. But for aviation, space, and defense, we needed more rigor, more requirements, because they're very complex. You know, you don't want to have to worry about things at 35,000 feet. You know, you want to make sure you're on a safe, quality product. And that's the reason we started it all. So consistency, quality, advancement, commonality. Harmonization. Harmonization, yeah. Ooh, nice buzzwords. Nice buzzwords. So <laughs> what are some things that are misunderstood about standards? What are some things that we probably should be clarifying to people that don't understand why we have them? Well, the one thing that's really top of my list is people think once they have met the requirements that that's the stopping point. They get the certificate, they hang it up up on the wall, they have a little party, oh, we did really good. That's the starting point. And that's where people are losing out. We have a lot of CEOs and directors of various companies coming back and say, we're not getting the value out of our quality management system. You know, it's, it's not doing what we expected it to do. And then I say, well, what are you doing? And they explain, blah, blah, blah. Well, we got our certification. And go, well, that's the starting point. I said, what have you done since then? Well, we just wait for the next audit and then we do it again. So that's just a pass fail. There's a maturity that goes on beside that. You know, you can actually achieve a lot higher level and that's kind of where it's supposed to drive you and it gives you, uh, you're supposed to manage your outputs. It gives you all these different measures, different ways to go about it. You know, if it has a clause for improvement, 
you know, that's actually where you start getting the benefit. It's not just from getting that certificate that you hang on the wall. Sounds like aim. <laughs> well, I love leading there a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> aerospace improvement maturity model. Yeah, because uh, you have your, your baseline. Yay, we've met compliance. But that's really, if you look at the, the, the scale of things, that's really about a level two, maybe a level three out of five. So you're kind of right in the middle if you get your certificate, uh, if you have a good auditor. So it still leaves a half of that, you know, where you could actually progress and get from a reactive uh, environment to a proactive environment. And where you're not being the victim, you're not firefighting all the time to where you're just, you've got everything under control, you've got metrics, you know what you're doing, everybody is, is working to the, uh, some common processes and systems and, and things are flowing well. That's really where you want to get. I mean, that's where the value is. That's where the money is. So from a supplier's perspective, it, they achieve their audit. They continue to improve. At the end of the day, they've got a better product. You have a better product. Everybody wins. And, and I get to I go mean, on an airplane <laughs> and make sure that I'm going to get from A to B. Well, yeah. <laughs> or it could be a rocket, you know, that doesn't blow up as you're sure. firing it off the launch pad and stuff that, like that. That would not be a good thing to have. No, no, no. 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 So is there anything about the whole process that we haven't touched on that we should have shared, clarified? Well, the quality management system isn't everything. I mean, there are other things mm -hmm. out there, and that's actually the reason we have 26 standards, because they tell people or give people guidance on how to improve in certain areas. And collectively, I think if you embrace all those things that are important to your company, or your service, it's just both products and services, then you can actually really advance where you're at. And another thing is it's uh, the quality management system itself is um, derived to actually create a culture of quality. And it's also a sustainment tool, you know, for sustaining an organization. Now the, I would venture to say, and I haven't collected data on it, but the companies that really have embraced the quality management system and worked to the requirements and matured their requirements are probably really looking and probably survived, say, COVID and other, you know, economic downturns and various other things a lot, probably a lot, I won't say better, but a lot easier than others. So it's a really good sustainment tool and a lot of people don't realize that. So if there are people listening to this podcast today and, and want to become a part of this, how do they do that? How can they get involved in requirements of the IAQG? Well, one of the nice new things about our being an SDO is actually anybody can join. So uh, as long as you don't have any ill intent or something like that, but anybody can actually be part of the teams. You can, uh, all you have to do is sign up to the International Airspace Quality Group and start participating. I mean, it helps for you if you want to be in leadership positions or in certain committees to be a, a part of a member company or in the aviation space and defense industry as a whole, but it's not limited to that. We have uh, regulatory agencies that are part of the IQG now, um, along with the new um, SDO anyway, and they can participate, uh, your uh, certification bodies, on and on and on, including of course, all the member companies. So it's, it's, it's kind of wide open now where it wasn't so much in the past. So mm -hmm. the door has been cracked open a little bit to offer those specialists. You know, it's the people that have um, subject matter experts that really know what they're doing, uh, really have some input and value to add, not just people that just want to come in and look and listen and see what's going on. 
So you've alluded to the SDO, but what's on the horizon? What's beyond what we're looking at? What are where are some of the things that you might be going and and talking about? Maybe we. Well, the big one is we're launching a, a ninety one hundred, which is our flagship standard mm, uh, mm-hmm. that revision. This meeting, as a matter of fact. Wow. <laughs> I'll be in nineteen ninety eight, right? Didn't I see that somewhere? It's been since. I think yeah, that was when it well, first actually, came out. It actually started before that. It oh. goes clear back to 1990. Oof. But that okay. was for the Americas. Ah, yeah, yes. The international one was 1998. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're actually launching that uh, Thursday in our General Assembly. And the fun begins. And mm-hmm. actually, we got some really kind of leading-edge concepts that you won't see in ISO, you won't see in the automotive standards that they have that are that are, that are similar. I mean, ISO 9001 is our baseline, and they do a fantastic job. It's very generic, though. I mean, it's certified for, what, 1,200,000-plus companies or something like that. The difference with ours, and we don't have as many certifications, but we are mega companies for the most part. Huge in comparison to say most the average size of uh, ISO committee is usually 50 to 500. You know, I'd say the average for the aviation, space, and defense industry is probably more than 50,000. You know, up to 200,000 plus. So that's the amount of influence there is 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 astronomical. And of course, the amount of money that's it's mind-boggling. I wish I had more of it. <laughs> we <all. Yeah. laughs> uh, well, you know, thank you so much. I really appreciate this conversation about standards and standard writings and how they actually are published. This is Susan Matson, and you've been listening to the IAQG Quality Horizon. Until next time, stay safe. Okay, thanks, Susan. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Quality Horizon, a product of the International Aerospace Quality Group. Mm-hmm.